0: this is the shift podcast today on the shift daily podcast 12 guys walk into a bar and they bought it it's not a joke Tim Sangha co owner of the Scarlet Ibis pub tells us a story about he and his biker buddies fell in love with the pub in the middle of nowhere on Vancouver Island and they bought it we finally have made a fusion power breakthrough Greg fish in the world of weird things tries to explain fusion power and how it won't blow us up and plus Are you okay with Pele, a walrus? And how about moving? All of this and more on the shift daily podcast. Thanks for being here. Okay, so I imagine this is how this happened. Okay, you've been with your buddies, right? You've been sitting around with your buddies, your friends, your girlfriends, your guy friends, whatever. And you're sitting around the table, had a couple of drinks, and then you've got that one friend have got that one friend who says that phrase that everybody cringes. You know what we should do? That's the phrase. And this is the phrase that gets people in trouble because usually at this point, it's not a good idea.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? And that's what we had told Pat, who is the old owner. We said, you know what? We're not interested in buying a, buying a bar uh, after she had let us in on that particular uh, Sunday. But, yeah. And then all of a sudden we come home and we I guess we were still drinking, I guess. We weren't even home yet. We were stopped on the way one yeah. one of the bars
2: on the way back. Yeah. Another, just to have
0: a <laughs> Stopped at another bar. Yeah. Oh my god. Another bar. Okay. So let me reset this for everybody so everyone knows. Okay, so who you hear in the background is Tim Allen Russ. They are partners with a few other friends uh, in a place um that really uh, was an accident. Yeah. So here's the story. As now, correct me guys if I get this wrong. Is that you guys basically went on a fellas trip, you stopped in at a pub, it was closed, the owner was like, Oh, sure, I'll feed you, whatever, have I'll I'll get you wet. And then um you guys ended up jokingly saying we should buy the bar. Turns out you did, and a bunch of buddies bought a bar. I mean, that's as cliche as you know, three friends walk into a bar jokes,
1: but you did it. And it's and it's working. So far.
0: Okay, so tell everybody, let's reset, because we have listeners all across Canada. Not everybody knows the island. Can you navigate us, if we were, say, leaving Victoria, uh, where where all of this little adventure happens? Well,
2: it started in Gold River for the bike ride, and basically four days or three days before we got up to the where the pub was, we were just been kind of off-roading all the time and just stopped in. So you're basically the opposite end of the island from Victoria. Yeah,
1: so we're. yeah, so we're at the uh, so from from Hardy Chain. We are uh, about 40, 45 kilometers, well, 40, where the pub is situated. Which 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 wow. makes us the most remote pub on Vancouver Island, and we've been told uh, that we might be the most remote pub in BC uh, due to, uh, certain geographical lines, but we haven't pursued that. So, yeah. So that's, kind of I mean, happened. so but there
0: was another pub in Haida Gwaii, was it, or something yeah, that came up and that's right. they were like, I think we're the most, I mean, really, I mean, you can measure it, I suppose. Yeah. But <laughs>
1: How do you tell from where? Well uh, you know what? It's funny. We had someone actually, uh, contact us and say, you guys should fight for the most remote pub because, you know, this person went online and, they did all the calculations and they said, I'm pretty sure that you're more remote, but we we're waiting for them to, to, uh, to uh, send us some information so we can see if we actually are or not.
0: Yeah. Well, it is remote. That is not up for debate and it is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, Who? So first of all, a a bunch of friends buying a bar is, you know, not a great business plan. Nope. Just saying, um, and but you guys actually have a bit of a, a a mixed bag of of trades and tools behind you because uh, you know you guys so everyone kind of takes on a little bit different things so from that perspective it kind of works.
2: Thing like this is just kind of a, it's an adventure in its own, right? Because that's
1: cool. Yeah, because so so Shane, so the the bar one day hopefully will make money, but that you know our I think that collectively our dream was to keep the bar going because. The community uh, needs it for their social interaction. Uh, we, are, we are also the emergency uh, preparedness center for the area as well. So in case of a tsunami uh, our, or, or, uh, or a road closure, then uh, people stay with us uh, until it's safe to travel back to mm-hmm. the uh, Port Hardy area. And that's happened. It yeah. hasn't happened since we've had the bar, but it, it has happened in the past.
0: Yeah, so there's some community investment, really, that's what goes on. I mean, it's not like you just bought a bar and a pool table, right, and a dartboard. No, we
1: actually have dartboards, Although, yeah. two dartboards.
0: Yeah. Two dartboards. I, I got to call you out a little bit because you sound a little bit like the prime minister when you say the budget of the bar will balance itself, <laughs> um, which is funny.
3: <laughs> out. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we are paying for a while. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, you're going to lose money for seven okay, years, if nothing problem.
3: else. We um, are okay. Yeah.
0: Well, so this is cool because now you've gone and you've invested in the community. Um, You guys are island folks anyway, and you have done so much more. I mean, even the logger that's named after the logger, L-A-U versus the L-O-G-G. Like you guys have done quite a bit when it comes to just the identity and character of the island, the north end of the island. I mean, this is really kind of fun. You guys realizing that, you know, there's a, a lot of opportunity to to kind of create with us and have a good time and live into a yeah, little bit? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
1: I mean, you know, I mean, our goal, I mean, we're almost there now where we have more time to go and enjoy the area because it's, that's been a problem for us because we're always, when we, when we go up, the team is busy working and fixing stuff and we're not hiking and, and seeing the area as, as much as we'd like. But, uh, you know, we see light at the end we of the We see the goal there. Yeah, yeah. We're almost there.
0: Well, isn't that what it's like for most people when they have a cottage or something like that? I mean, so many, when we used to have a, we had a family lake house in uh, Northern Alberta and, and that's what it was, right? Like, how was your vacation? Well, how was my vacation? I mean, I built a deck, I tore down a fence, (laughs) I moved a tree, I fixed the outboard motor on the boat, right? I patched the kayak. Yeah. You know, did you do anything? I don't think I even sat down for a minute. But that's kind of the way these things work, right? That-
1: well, that's exactly it. You know what? We we actually all like well, the three of us here and uh, the act the other active members of the group like to be busy. And uh, you know, when we go up there, we're there to get. You know, we have a list of items that we have to get done before we leave, and that's what we get done. And and uh, and and that's been the reason for our success. I think is that we are. Yeah, we are proactive. Like,
3: like, and we're, and we're a team. Eh?
1: Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah. Well, was, that's the next question: was friend? Like, how long you guys been friends for? Because I mean, you don't typically go into this with like someone you don't know, and then you you're not organized. Like, you have to have good relationships to be organized and be able to say, hey, by the way, you know, hey, Al, are, if you're going up this weekend, can you take care of this? Right? Like yeah. So are, are are you guys new friends, old friends? How does we're that start? all
1: pretty much, uh, you know, I'd say half is new, half is old. Um, you know, when we, uh, when we, when we started this thing, so there was myself and Roy, he's, he's one of the other partners, you know, he had, so he and I were sort of talking about it and Russ and Al, and we basically, we came up with what do we need to have to make this work? So we needed to have certain trades people to, uh, fix problems as they arise so we picked our friends that had certain skill sets. So that's what we did. We picked, uh, we picked a, a carpenter, an electrician, uh, a gas guy, a millwright, uh, a handyman, uh, a banker, a marketing guy. So that way we're not tripping over each other as far as what we can bring to the table. So we were able to put this team together and, uh, and all 12 people said yes. This is, you know, kind of surprising, but but maybe not really because of who we are as people.
3: Oops, oops, everyone again. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, I and, guess we're gonna pull the trigger. And we also <laughs> like Russ and Russ and Tim have been friends for years, but Tim and I became friends when we did a trip because uh, we all love motorcycling. This is how we found the pub. It's part of the Vancouver One Thousand. Tim and I traveled back from. uh so Southern Argentina, Southern Chile, all the way back to Nanaimo. Uh, that was a big trip back in 2017. And uh, so you, you you gain really good friendships. You get to know a guy. You just, it's it's a it's a bond. It was a win-win. And meeting all the other partners like Roy and us, we're all really tight guys. Eh, We just love each other.
0: Yeah, well that's it. That that's really what I I kind of heard, right? Is that you know is is the motorcycle aspect of that, the bond of that, is that really the key? Because there's something about motorcycle folks, right? Um, That y'all do the strangest things. Uh, You know, everyone has a reputation about. Yeah, you know. While cruising down the highway. Yeah,
1: you know what? You're absolutely right. It's it's the motorcycle bond. I mean, it's it's a weird thing, but we've been riding together you know, me yeah. and my buddies for, you know, for a bunch of years and, and uh yeah, the, you know, the motorcycle is, is the, is the, is the Driving common key yeah. is, is the catalyst for all yeah. of it.
3: You know, and,
1: and well,
0: and sense of community yeah. too, right? That's a big one. It's a motorcycle guys. It's always sense of community, even in the guys that you know break the law, like those guys. There's still sense of community, Absolutely. right? Like there really is a bond. Yeah. Um, the you know versus the the ordinary motorcycle guys that are doing Santa Claus teddy bear runs yeah. and all these other things that happen, right? Like there, there's something special about that, and it seems to be a bit of a perfect storm. Uh, forgive the maybe the the bad example um, or metaphor, but. Um, when it comes to the north end of the island to take a, a bunch of guys with a sense community of community at the core put them in a small community that has to have a sense of community as its core and that's a pretty good fit
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely yeah absolutely you know you know talk about the perfect storm i'll just give you a quick story when we were up there uh, when we first bought the pub we were uh grading all the land because we had we had we were going to put in some accommodation for our clients so they can stay stay there and stay there overnight so we're getting ready to do all the infrastructure work for the parking lot to run the power and the water to the to the adventure huts which are where where people can stay and then we we happen to have uh, a big uh, hurricane force winds come in and on the other side of the property which is about but two hundred fifty feet, three hundred. Yep. Yeah, I mean 250, 300 feet away from where the huts were going, we had a big wind come in and pick up a metal shed, blew it up over the pub, and then wrapped it around uh, a bunch of trees. Right away. Really? Yeah, a big tree. We had to get we had to get one of the machines, like an excavator, in to actually pull it off the tree. It wrapped it right around, like it was insane.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. The no, green giant had done it himself, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but. Up there, you get a lot of uh, fierce winds and, and rains, and, and uh, it gets a little crazy up there. Well,
3: Yeah. yeah. And, when, you know, when we went up there and first took over the pub. The, the rumor in Holberg sure. went around that you hear a bunch of bikers bought the pub. They thought it was hellish. And they thought right. people, like didn't know, people didn't know what to think because they hadn't met us yet because we'd only – Pat let us in on the day she was shut. <clears throat> and uh, oh, I'm sure she was uh, – you know, doing all she could to uh wind us in there. I guess it worked. <laughs> but uh the locals, I think, for the most part, I mean, I think that what kind of guys we are, we're adventure riders on our motorcycles. I think at first it was a little you know, tough
2: for them and that, but they've all, yeah. they've all taken us in and, like, we're kind of like family now. Yeah, yeah. A lot
3: of and we're all yeah. really involved in, in, you know, keeping the area clean and safe and environmentally friendly. And I think that's – uh because it's so beautiful and pristine up there, it's so remote that people don't realize that mm-hmm. if you want to go somewhere and hear no sound, once the bar is shut, <laughs> then is on the that's the place to be.
0: <laughs>
3: well, you see, like I
0: love that. Once the bar is closed,
3: <laughs> what what
2: beautiful beach can you camp on the beach nowadays? Yeah, where? Yeah, whereas up there you you
1: can, right? Yeah, yeah. It's still a very special place. Yeah. You know, we we have a lot of. People that are coming from Tofino, like you know, like young people that are into surfing and stuff, and they all they all liken it to the fact that this is like Tofino was 50 or 60 years ago. 20, 30 years ago. Wow. Yeah. 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 I mean. Because
2: it's still commercialized now. Yeah. Just
3: so you know, it's a rough ride out to the pub, so. Not always. You know, just uh, take your time, uh, follow the signs, and uh, you can't miss us.
0: I'm looking at the map now. Like, it is literally like as far as... <laughs> it's far north yeah like you do that's that's far
3: holy and on cow. the way to san joe bay and san joe bay last year was voted the number one nature beach in canada
0: really hey. how far is it from um how far is it from tofino then
3: well
1: from tofino uh oh,
2: man five hours four hours oh well as a crow flies only probably what yeah two or three hundred, like a couple. Yeah, but...
1: Oh, it's like Port Alice north. Yeah. Holy cow. Port Alice. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's definitely quite a ways. I mean, we're getting a lot of younger people that that like to camp in their vans, like van life type people, and they're coming through, and they're going surfing and, and hiking, and they just, they can't believe how I pristine it's still.
3: Yeah. A beautiful beach there, too, is... Yeah. Uh, there's grant bay but there's also um raft cove which is unreal i mean it the surfing there is to die for and a lot of the surfer guys come up girls in this in the summer and they float down the the uh mac jack river with their stuff there's camping there there's fresh water but when you look at those rollers coming in it's absolutely stunning
0: can you can you fly there?
1: By the way, uh, you can do it like a float plane. A float plane from Nanaimo to there is is very expensive. It's like five thousand yeah, dollars. we'll so- pick
3: we'll pick you up if you want to come. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. you should fly out. We'll you of- out. We'll fly out. We'll take you up. We fly out. We'll take you there. It's
0: the Scarlet Ibis Pub and Restaurant. Um, and so tell me about the uh, the beers. North Coast Trail Ale, which you do for a uh, so little uh, proceeds to Trail System support. Yeah. And then the Redbird Lager, which I think is, I mean, that's dynamite genius. As a guy who's worked in marketing and media for a quarter of a century, having the Redbird Lager, but spelling it L O G G E R is, that's pretty wicked. So tell me about the beers. And yeah. how, I mean,
1: you know, it was, uh, so we have uh, some of our friends, uh, uh, Tracy and, and Harley from the Longwood Brewery. We needed someone to partner with to, uh, to create. A beer for us, and uh, so the, the synergistic partnership with them was was just natural. And uh, so they they make our beers for us, and, and we have both beers on tap and, as well as uh, in the cans. And uh, it's been it's been fabulous, it's been very well received. Uh, I think so far, I think we've got around thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars that we've donated, or that we're about to make a donation sometime this year to the to the North Coast Trail System. And uh, yeah, they're just been great because, you know, it's very difficult, as you as you probably know, to uh, to create like a like a brewery type situation. So it, that wasn't going to work for us. So our partnership with the Longwood has been awesome. And Harley and Tracy over there have just been uh, great. Uh, just great. great people yeah. 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 Really good people.
0: For sure. It's Longwood. I did look them up too. It's longwoodbeer.com. Um, for everyone else, uh, the head community of people, um, we have a Facebook page. So I'll post a link to scarletibus.ca on, um, on there so everyone can check it out and see what it's all about and uh, go learn. And guys, like you have literally made like every group of dudes dream sort of happen, like regardless. Um, yeah. We've all been there. We've all sat there and said, we should do this. And like mine, you know, what mine is mine is like I want like a 70s Lincoln, like the boxy old ones. I don't even care what which model, but I want to cut the top off with a grinder and I want to drive around like roller coasters.
3: Yeah, that's the kind of car that even comes with a guy in the truck.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, that Maybe where we'll be sleeping, but literally drive until it dies and go on that kind of road trip. Right. Like this is the kind of thing that you're talking yeah. about. And, uh, and here you are, you've done it. And congratulations on the hard well, work. Well, thank
3: you very much. We yeah, appreciate it, Shane. Thank you so much. And you know, just to let you know that, too, like we're always there because uh, sometimes, you know, people get stranded. And we're there to help if they can get a hold of us. A lot of times I've been out before, suggested uh, to a couple of young fellows when they were there, if they got into a trouble, please Get, get a hold of the pub and I'll come and rescue you. And sure enough, some old guy came in about 8 o'clock at night and said, is there an owl guy here? And there's two young guys way down in the middle of nowhere, their truck in the ditch. Can They said that they should come and get me. So anyway, I'm really not really impressed I said that, but I was. <laughs> so anyway, but we've made two great friends out of that, the young guys that came and they were stranded for days. They, they helped us out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just it's really good to help out. pretty wonderful
0: feeling i love it well congratulations guys tim alan russ uh just a small group of folks that uh thought they would buy the most remote bar on vancouver island scarlet ibis pretty cool thanks so much fellas great it's a pleasure to meet you as mine well you know
3: we tried to buy a flying saucer but there wasn't one available Yeah. Hi from the Scarlet Ibis. Happy thanks New so Year. much. Yeah. Happy New Year.
1: And uh let's let's see if they want to come up for a visit and uh have the experience of the uh the most remote pub. All right, thanks guys. Yeah well, thanks. Thank you. thanks buddy. Take care. Take Happy
3: care. New
4: Year. This is the Shift Podcast.
3: weird it got very weird i don't understand
4: welcome to the world of weird things with greg fish
0: even more mysterious than the stories he tells is when he shows up in some hidden location and does not join our zoom call that's a very world of weird
5: things to do greg fish well you know gotta keep you on your toes right yeah yeah hey happy new year brother I haven't talked to you Thank you. Happy New Year to you as well. Hope it was uh, hope it was good. I mean, uh, we've had a couple uh, very interesting years here, and hopefully this one's better. Yeah.
0: There was a great meme that was that someone posted at shifteds.ca. It was basically a side view of two cars about to go into a tunnel, and the first car was 2022. It was a flatbed truck with outhouses on the back that were too tall to go into the tunnel. And then behind it was a convertible that said 2023 with the top down. And so the implication was, is that 2022 is about to drive into a tunnel that's too small and splash outhouse poop all over someone in a convertible. God, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope we're in good shape. I mean, if you can have a world weird thing story about that,
5: that would be great uh you know i, I don't want to ruin the good joke with optimism plus optimism for me sounds a little weird so i'm just gonna let this one go
0: yeah fair enough can you do me a favor and just turn your headphones down just a smidge bud we have a little bit of an echo there um okay uh sh- sharing the article world it is a podcast it's a blog it's got so many great things on there it will be at shiftheads.ca by the way uh, i'm a little afraid here with fusion fish out of my lane where are we going
5: so we are going to talk about the news that kind of really excited the the, science, the popular science community, the fusion community, that the National Ignition Facility in California – hey, that's where I live um, – right. right. actually achieved net gain on a fusion test. They put in 2.05 megajoules of energy with a laser, and they got back – megajoules which is hey this is this is perfect this is net gain we finally have a net positive from a fusion reaction everybody celebrate right no No. terrifying yeah yeah exactly no you've told me too many
0: stories about black holes man for this to get me excited anymore
5: oh no 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 that's that's not where we're going with this no the problem is that the Although the result looks really nice on paper, what's really happened is that they kind of just omitted the fact that to charge the lasers, they need to use something like 430 or 450 megajoules. So we actually did not get a net gain on the entire system's input. Um, So there's still a lot of work to be done. But at the same time, this is actually a great result for one very simple reason. Okay. It's because before the shot was actually done, the laboratory simulated what they thought the break-even point was, and they found that, okay, we thought that the break-even point was 5 megajoules, megajoules, but it's actually just over 2 megajoules. So what that tells us is at this point, our simulations are getting more accurate because before what happened is you run all the simulations, you actually do the test shot, and what do you know something's not quite right the results don't quite match up we're not really sure why this is the case so this is the first time that we're really seeing those simulations of how fusion reactions are supposed to go how the plasma is supposed to behave and actually seeing them play out in the real world, more or less how we've seen the simulations. And the reason why this is so important is because fusion research is severely underfunded, so they can't really afford to do experiment after experiment after experiment after experiment.
0: So let's reset this conversation, Greg Fish, into what exactly are we talking about? A tiny little fusion reactor that we would put in our house or in our car that would have enough power to do everything that we do without having to use wires and stuff? Or are we talking about a power plant that's in the USS Enterprise?
5: Right now, we're talking about a power something that's a power plant-sized I mean, ideally, in the very far future, you could have your own tiny little fusion reactor that powers everything. But we're nowhere near there yet. Right now, we're talking about something like imagine the you know those, those giant nuclear power plants or those huge coal power plants. We're talking about something about that size. But the idea is something that size would replace. All of these coal plants, all of these nuclear fission plants, and would work in tandem with solar and with wind to provide steady, reliable energy for entire cities. Um,
0: that's funny because solar and wind don't provide steady energy. But that's—I I get what you're saying. Um, so here, okay. So what's the difference then between nuclear fission and fusion? Because I think that has me confused, and I'm assuming I'm not alone
5: so the difference is actually immense so nuclear fission you have very large very heavy atoms that you break apart and as they break apart and start a chain reaction they release heat you capture that heat use it to spin turbines and get and generate energy that way fusion you are taking isotopes of hydrogen usually deuterium and tritium Um, and you can do two things the first is what the NAF did, which is something called inertial confinement fusion, which is where you essentially have a la- lasers firing in all directions on a fuel pellet that contains those the gases of those two isotopes. They create helium. They, use, they lose a little bit of mass in the process. That mass gets converted to pure energy, and that's what you are going to use to generate um, uh, generate the electricity. And or there's another version, which is essentially a donut shaped reactor where you spin plasma around. You start introducing that gas into those plasma reactions. And the longer it spins, the more energy it produces as well. Also from creating helium, converting a little bit of basically smashing atoms together you lose a little bit of mass. That mass gets converted into energy. You capture that you and you stream into the grid.
0: Wow. Okay. So smaller, more efficient, no spent nuclear rods. I'm assuming just some laser beams to kickstart it.
5: No. Yeah. Just some laser beams, just some, just some plasma. Um, the other very nice thing about it is that it can't melt down because if something goes wrong, if the reaction breaks down, you just get the little fizzle of plasma and that's it. The reactor just shuts down.
0: Really? So, but then it's self-sustaining once it starts.
5: It's not really self-sustaining per se. There's cycles that it can do on its own, but you kind of have to keep it going, which is actually exactly what you want because you can shut down the reaction anytime it becomes unstable. Um, And ideally, you don't want it to just keep going without your input because anything that you can keep going without your input has the potential to become something pretty menacing, because you build up a lot of potential energy. This is what happens with fission reactors. And this is why they have to be super carefully controlled. This is why uh, it's possible to have meltdowns with them. So this is completely opposite technology.
4: Hmm.
0: Okay, so then what's the benefit then? I mean, if it's not just like free power, like an extension cord from the sun scenario, what's the benefit?
5: Well the benefit is it's right now it's not free power and it's not really going to be free power but essentially what it is is a tiny little bit of a mass uh, from very easily accessible isotopes things that we can that we can find in the wild or we can just generate from seawater which we have plenty of um, you can create, generate a ton of energy from it you don't have spent nuclear fuel, as we talked about, we don't have uh, long lasting radioactive products. Um, and you have pretty safe, convenient energy when we actually get all of these things properly working. Okay, good deal.
0: So why don't we do it now? Why? Why haven't they? Why is it so underfunded? You said it was underfunded, Greg, why is it underfunded?
5: It's underfunded for two reasons. Uh, Reason number one is that people really wanted it to actually work already. Partially what happened was that a lot of scientists thought they were a lot closer to fusion than they were about 30-40 years ago. They made a lot of very big promises. Those promises didn't pan out. So a lot of politicians basically say, well, why should approve? Why should we approve something that doesn't work? Um, so that was one big part of it. Uh, but the other part of it is that it's just, it's not a priority. It's a very complicated technology. Um, no one knows exactly when we will be able to hit that that point where we can commercialize it and who's going to own the rights and, and what's going to happen from that point on. So a lot of politicians are kind of loathe to invest in it. Um, a lot of private companies are very loath to invest in it because right now it, it is, we're just now starting to see positive results. We're now just starting to get these things on track. Um, so hopefully as more and more good results come in, the purse strings will open up. We'll be able to do more experiments. We'll be able to do them faster. Uh, but right now, essentially the idea is it's it's unproven technology and no one wants to risk it.
0: So what's next, Greg Fish, fusion, power, little power reactors that are in our houses? I mean, what comes next from this? How soon and when? What does it look like?
5: So the next thing is ITER, which is a giant reactor that's being built in Europe. And its entire purpose is to demonstrate that fusion is possible, sustainable, can produce way more energy than we can put in, than the system requires to put in to kickstart the fusion reaction. And and then figure out how do we actually capture this energy? how do we commercial how do we commercialize it? how do we run a fusion power plant? Um, it's being assembled now. it's actually getting close to final stages of assembly. In the next few years, it's going to start burning plasma through the reactor to get things warmed up and test all the magnets and everything else. And then hopefully, if everything goes to plan,, by the mid one, by the mid to late 2030s, we will actually be able to see net gain, so consistent fusion reactions and start really planning the next big steps after that. Okay,
0: so we got an interesting text here. It says um, when they get this nuclear reactor or when they get this fusion reactor down to the portable size, I'm going to need a DeLorean. Is this flux capacitor level stuff that we're talking about here once it gets that small?
5: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. The idea for something like that would be you would have a, you would be able to create something that's a very small, antimatter catalyzed fusion reactor. That's, and if you have something that's that small and that portable, it would really change a lot of things. I mean, you would essentially have your own private power plant uh, for your home or for your car or for your interstellar spaceship or whatever uh it would actually be no it would be a, a tremendous game changer if we got it miniaturized to that level wow
0: so i guess that's the end goal then I, not to be too back to the future um great scott but if we were to you know be putting banana peels into the back of our delorean uh, wouldn't that be the ideal scenario
5: oh well it's even easier than that we we'll would just be pouring a little bit of water in our deloreans and it Basically bends the laws of time and space when we push a button.
0: Oh, that's all because we need that because we can't even handle uh, zipper lanes right now.
5: Well, yeah, that 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 would be somewhat problematic. Uh, I I I see where you're coming from there. So we, we probably need wider lanes. Uh, maybe you know some give someone a little bit more room to merge because they will be doing it at some percentage of the speed of light. So I I understand the hesitation right there.
0: <laughs> Some percentage of the speed of light. Okay, nerd man. Uh, seeing you're so incognito here with uh, you're hiding from us on the Zoom call and all things suspicious. I'm gonna get suspicious then. So what do you get most excited about this fish? Because I mean, you are the uber nerd in this. I mean, that is a compliment. What what is uh, what what really is the big deal here? Like really?
5: Really. Yeah, really. I think the big deal about all of this is that we're finally starting to really test revolution technologies that have been promised to us a very long time ago. And I think the really exciting part for me is that the researchers who are involved in this didn't give up. They didn't just just look at, at a bunch of uh, failed experiments and say, you know what, I'm just gonna forget it, I'm, I'm gonna go do something else, this is probably impossible. No, they, they looked at the numbers, they saw that it should be possible, they stuck with it. And now they're getting consistent results. So so that dogged pursuit, of a technology that we know for a fact if we can make it work it would be life-changing in the best way possible it would really tremendously help us out um, to, to to clean up the to clean up the world to explore space um to do all sorts of really amazing things they they didn't give up and and that's something i find incredibly inspiring about this this entire story and the fact that now we're starting to get consistent results in simulations We're starting to get experiments from test reactors that are showing us yes, this is possible. We're getting close. We're 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 really on the doorstep of actually making this work. It could be within our lifetimes, it could be possible to see major reactors, not something miniaturized. That that might be a very long way away, but maybe within our lifetimes we'll see a fusion reactor powering a city. Like that's just Like I said, I I have no other word for it but inspiring.
0: But are you sure we're not missing something here, Fish? Because when they told us we were going digital, and it was a paperless society. No one mentioned that, by the way, you still got to print everything out and save it. And then by the way, you need four different computer backups and it uses more electricity. When they said nuclear power is just like endless power, they didn't tell us that by the way, these rods when they're done are terrible and so is the water, right? Like nobody told us these things. And I maybe I'm just pessimistic or skeptical at this point, but I feel like there's some sort of gotcha at the end of this conversation. No one told us when they put up wind turbines that by the way, the fans are not even reusable recyclable and we're going to bury them it's more waste than anything else right like no one told us 20 years ago when they started solar in california and they were doing all these incentives that by the way the lifespans are really short and it's going to be really expensive for you to get new ones and we have nowhere to put the old ones like there's always been a gotcha what am i missing
5: here so there's there are definitely going to be growing pains like i'm i at this point I don't think anyone can tell you exactly what they are, but we know they're going to be growing pains. But part of the issue with any new technology is that sometimes uh, people get ahead of themselves and they are so focused on getting technology out there, it takes a few iterations. It takes a few generations of the technology to work out some of these kinks and to say, okay, no, we actually have to address it. So it, I, I do think that it's, very, that it's very fair that before we actually try to commercialize it, before we actually start... Trying to build fusion power plants based on hopefully positive results from IDER um, to ask, okay, well, how are we actually going to run this? What does the plan look like? What are um, what are some of the potential hazards? Mm. Because uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Now, with, with the nuclear, we did know that contamination was going to be a problem. But one of the big things that happened there is that the people who created the technology rushed because they saw, oh, we can make this work really quickly. I I think we can handle it. Let's just get it out there. We'll we'll figure it out later. It's the same thing with how some of the wind turbines were created with some of the solar panels were created. Okay, we created it. Let's get it out there. Let's get it working. We'll fix it later. Um, And I I do think it's fair to say, well, before we start changing how the world gets its power, let's work out later. Now let's work out what looks like what end of life looks like. Looks like let's work out what all the gotchas are. Let's work out all the little all the little kinks so we know exactly what's happening and and why and what we can do about it.
0: Yeah, it's so important, man, because it's got us so many times. It gets us even now with electric cars, right? I mean, I mean, I don't think there's anybody who wishes that we could have more responsible driving and impact and all those things. But, you know, power grids and batteries and all the minerals in the batteries, all these things, like, we are way ahead of ourselves when it comes to putting these things together. Promising, but boy, oh boy, like, we screw this up over and over again, Fish. And when we're talking about fusion and all these tiny little like a our own star in our closet i mean that goes wrong real quick
5: well like i said in this particular case it's not the it's not the actual reaction because if something goes wrong that can be shut down very easily it's more about how do you uh what does the magnet life cycle look like um how much uh, uh for how long do they last how often do you need to replace them are some of the elements recyclable in those magnets? So those those would be kind of like what well, what happens as we maintain the reactor? What happens to all these parts and pieces that we're going to replace and swap out? Um, I think that's that would be something that we that we need to take care of. Um, and you're right, there's there's a long history of rushing into getting things set up and then find, figuring out oh there's all these long term effects that we uh, didn't actually consider. But the, but the big question becomes is that when you have a lot of private companies that are in charge of that, who make sure that they follow up on this? Because if they say, hey, you know, this is better and we will we we, we'll figure out all the kinks later, who holds them accountable to that? That's, that's a completely different discussion. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a discussion that's worth having. But I feel like when we, when we start talking about some of these things, uh, they go a little bit beyond the scope of what we're, what, what we're covering here.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's fantastic though, because that's what we run into again and again. It it really is. I mean, is exactly that. Is that who's gonna hold this into account and make sure that it's all done properly? Greg Fish, com. The link to the article is posted at shiftheads.ca. mysterious man who's not at home, he's hiding somewhere. Thanks, Fishy. Happy New Year, brother.
5: You too. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure.
4: This is the Shift Podcast.
0: Let's get started with this are you, are you are you okay okay okay
2: are you okay
0: with shopping for rental properties
4: no it's terrible ryan i hate it it's so up and down because you know you're looking for specific things a location and you know very simple amenities And the prices just don't really reflect what you would think you'd have to pay. And then you go, okay, I'll lower my price. And then all of a sudden, all of the things you want are now on the outskirts of the city. And they're still Mm. not at the price you want. And so it is very frustrating until it isn't and you find the perfect place, which has been my experience every single time I've tried to find the place to live.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm so yeah. grateful for the place that I rent now because um, you know, my landlord's awesome. I mean, that's a I'll give a great example about how awesome it's kind of good News Tuesday. Here's a good steward News Tuesday story about my landlord, his name's Scott. And um so he the previous tenant, they built this place, this townhouse, and then the previous tenant was in here six years. I've been in here five years now, so they've had a pretty good run, right? And the garage door broke a couple of days ago, like on the thirty first or the thirtieth? And um what happened was, is I didn't know this, I just learned this this weekend, that garage doors have a life cycle and the most um important breaking part of a garage door, according to the garage door repair guy, is the counterweight coil. So a garage door is very, very heavy and the garage door opener is not that powerful. So what they do is they torque up a spring, which uh-huh. counter pulls the door up automatically with the torque on the spring right so just not quite enough to lift the door so when you go to lift the door with the motor the door's quite light because it's got a spring that's actually unwinding that helps take the weight well what happens is, is the metal in that spring breaks down uh, the the number that the the guy gave me was you know 10,000 twists so 10,000 openings which is a long time if you think about it and as I talked to uh, Scott about it, Scott was like, oh, yeah, that happened at my house. No big deal. Just get it done. This is the kind of guy. So rent was due three days ago, right? Garage door is not going to be fixed until later this afternoon. And he basically said, well, if you don't mind taking care of it, it'll save me the trouble and trying to coordinate it anyway. Just make it happen and then take it off rent and then just send in the rent when after the door is fixed. Like, that's the kind of guy he is. Like, that's good, amazing human landlord stuff, right? So I'm paying the same amount, and I'm helping him out because I'm getting it done. I'm taking on making the phone calls and getting the guy and meeting the guy. He doesn't have to come here. So that's cool. I'm going to be here anyway. So I help him out, and then he's just like, how about you just take it off the rent and then don't worry about it? I mean, I don't mind doing that. I would have to be here anyway. So what's the big deal? I get to pick the time. So, like, that's good. But trying to find a place, I'm considering leaving because it's just me and the house hippo here in this three-bedroom townhouse because the kids are, you know, my son graduates this year my daughter graduates next year. They're gone. They're they're never here. They pop in and out, and usually they show up with four friends when they show up, huh. right? So, I mean, it's just life-changing. That's what happens. Anyone who's got kids that grow up, they start to change. So, uh, you know, where am I going to move to? What am I going to do? All those things are sort of, you know, well, if I'm going to be paying this much, I might as well be in a place that, you know, that, that's close to what I want. So I, it, I'm i not okay with that. It's It's tough. It's a whole new world going from being a homeowner to being, you know, a renter again and and going through all that stuff. Boy, but I I still have compassion for the homeowners because the amount you're paying in interest rates and everything else now, boy, that stuff, not good. Anyway, don't know how we do it, but here we are. Tis the thing. I offered Ryan, by the way, shift heads so he could come and move in here, but he's too far away from the cool people.
4: Yeah. 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 (laughs) yep yep, that's it that's it
0: (laughs) (laughs) are you okay with pele we probably should ask uh uncle leo this question oh yeah since since he's in downtown vancouver
6: leo are you
0: okay with pele yeah
6: yeah of course uh yeah i mean he's 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 bigger than our country itself. Uh I mean our I mean our I mean my where I came from came from. That's what I've been watching since Thursday when he passed. Uh, the mm-hmm. uh the funeral was uh I mean a couple of days ago and lasted twenty four hours. Like it ended this morning here, like uh, Pacific time.
5: Mm-hmm. There was
6: like over almost three hundred thousand people showed up in the, where the twenty four hours hour span. And it's, it's uh it's great. I was having this conversation here, like uh, in the hallways here in CKW, Vancouver, because people everybody was sending condolences to me, right, I' never met the guy, but it was like, you know, yeah. you may not know anything like about Brazil, you may not know where Brazil is, you may not know like where do we speak Portuguese or how the power culture is or, whatever, but everybody knows. Like who Pele is, and well they've they, heard of him right? They've heard of him. A guy was f- yeah. as famous as the Beatles as Jesus Christ, and everybody knows who he was, yeah. who he is and, and, and they, everybody knew also that he was from Brazil. So in a way, he was yeah. like, the big ambassador. So well,
0: you know what's cool about that is that after Messi's success with the World Cup this year, and that sort of question is Messi is Messi belong in the same realm as Pele and these other athletes, it's cool that Pele made it that long. To see that, right? I realize it's Argentina, it's not Brazil, but the, you know, it it's in the neighborhood and the conversation about some of the best, hopefully lucid enough to be around it, um, but really cool stuff. Well, the Brazilian soccer grade did die last week after a battle with cancer. He was 82 years old. Widely regarded as one of football's greatest players, Pele spent nearly two decades enchanting fans and dazzling opponents as uh, football's most prolific scorer with Brazilian club Santos and the Brazilian national team as well. I mean, Pele was a non soccer fan for me was the only guy that I knew. Right. Yeah. It's Pele and David Beckham and then uh, the new guy with the short hair and the, the fancy haircut. Um, so Pele's fame was such an uh, that the 1967 factions of civil war in Nigeria agreed to a brief ceasefire so he could play an exhibition match in their country. That's how big he was. Needless to say, he's a legend. And FIFA's president, Gianni Infantino, he wants to honor Pele in a very bold way. And we need to
5: make sure that uh, we and the world of football remembers Pelé forever as well. And for this reason, uh, of course, we pay tribute to him by being here. We pay tribute to him by uh, asking all the federations now to pay a minute of silence and tribute to Pelé but we're also going to ask every country in the world to name one of their football stadiums uh, with the name of Pele.
0: Okay, so FIFA is going to ask every country in the world to name a stadium after Pele. In April 2021, Rio de Janeiro abandoned plans to name the famous uh, Maracanã. Maracanã. Do do? Maracanã. Maracanã? Yes, there you go. Hey. Wow, that is... I got the emphasis all wrong. Stadium after Pele, after it was vetoed by the state governor. The largest soccer-specific stadium in Canada, BMO Field, was built on this site of the old exhibition stadium where the Toronto Blue Jays played, 77-89, as well as the Canadian football team, uh, the Argos, between 59 and 88. It's a great place for concerts still. And so, should Canada have to have a Pele Stadium because FIFA says so. Uh, sounds like a very FIFA thing to do.
4: It is a very FIFA thing. Like, it's just... It, the fact that it's coming from FIFA makes me kind of throw up in my cringe, mouth Cringe, bit, right? you know? It's just cringe. But I, the, the sentiment I actually don't necessarily disagree with. He's that big of a legend. And also, it's difficult because... Soccer is a far is the the most global sport in the world is is soccer right and so it's kind of like you know we wouldn't ask every country in the world to name a stadium after Wayne Gretzky because it's kind of Canada it's a North American thing and so well, no, I but you've got that... Norway
0: Sweden you've got Czech like Czechia yep. Germany yeah. you know yeah. Ukraine and all and of Europe. there's all kinds of hockey playing countries that that yeah. aren't going to have a Wayne Gretzky
4: nope. Exactly. They might have a
0: Yarmir Jagger in you know in Europe if you know Czechoslovakia right. or Czechia or wherever it is now.
4: It's you know? it's it's more local and and but but Pele's influence is incredibly global. But I I will say that I don't think we should have to ch- to name a stadium after him. Now we've got the World Cup coming to Canada in is it four years or t- two years from now? Twenty twenty six I think. Three and a half uh, years. Three and a half years, right? Uh, now, if we build a new center and name it after him, I think that's totally cool. That's fine as part of the, yeah, so I the, the don't upcoming think so. World Cup.
0: I think it's Canadian. But, you you find a Canadian and you name it after a Canadian. I mean, if yeah. you want to have Pele's pub or whatever, good for you. And um, if you want to have a – if FIFA said, hey, if this is an official FIFA venue, we want a memorial for Pele in every venue and we're going to give you the money to here for the statue. We're going to give you the money for the memorial. It's got to be this big. Then fine. Yeah. I don't think that the, you know, I don't think that from Zurich FIFA of all of the different organizations inside FIFA that have been accused of selling their votes for cash to send the World Cup to places gets to come in and turn the name of BMO plus who's going to pay for the BMO sponsorship to pele field in toronto yeah like that's like that makes no sense to me like if they want to say put like in in um in edmonton the wayne gretzky statue right that was great perfect well done you're not going to put that into winnipeg Montreal Or Toronto, Toronto, right? No, it's weird. You're not. So it's weird. like downtown, can you imagine if the Canucks lost in a final for the Stanley Cup against the Boston Bruins and there happened to be a Wayne Gretzky statue outside, police cars would not be the only things upside down and on fire. So like none of this makes sense to me. I think this is wildly offside. And I think salute Pele. Okay, let's talk to Mr. Football. Tio Leo. Uncle Leo's in Vancouver. Am I offside with that, thinking that in Canada, they're, 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 if you want to do
6: a tribute, they can fund a tribute, sure.
0: But I think it's offside in places like that.
6: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I think you have a point. I think if you're going to do it, this in North America, there are places you can do, like in New York, where Pele played, uh, and it uh, was great idea. Yeah like with the Cosmos yeah. right? They, that's why they hired him to make soccer popular in America in the US yeah. and we If succeeded. you had a David Beckham thing do it in LA, right? It was
0: the Galaxy or whatever he played for, right?
6: Beckham yes and Pele played for the Cosmos.
0: Yeah, see there you go. It's, it didn't that makes sense to me. Okay, you're a soccer fan. I'm I'm really not, right? So Although I'm learning Leo, I after watching um Ted Lasso, yeah, I'm starting to like soccer more.
6: It's nice.
0: It's cool. Great it sport. Good. It's good. It's great. Well, it's, I don't know if it's great. It's interesting. They're passionate. I'll give you that much. Holy cow. Are you okay with walruses? Who is it? Is it Walry?
4: I, I looked this up. I'm, I'm really okay. glad you asked because walruses sounds wrong, but Weird. it is correct. It is walruses. I thought it was walrus. I, or if it was just a plural of a walrus as a walrus. Um, but no, it is walruses, and uh, yeah, that that is the correct grammar, uh, coming from me, of, of course, the the, the king oh, uh, of grammar here. You I'm are just... the
0: standard of high uh, yeah. high standards of yes. grammar. So
4: yes, according to the no big doubt. book of Google, walruses is the correct plural. Although if I'm uh, wrong, I'm sure somebody will correct me in the in the. In oh, the, they
0: will. Even yeah, if you're not wrong, slide. somebody will correct you. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, they got big noses, lots of whiskers big old tusks floppy feet you know they can be mean but aside from that high five for the walrus
4: yeah i'd agree
0: all right the walrus is a, a walrus on a very long journey drew huge crowds in northern england on new year's eve he made a little pit stop in scarborough but the crowds had to leave without seeing new year's eve fireworks because they could have scared the walrus The decision to cancel the event was made on the advice of British Divers Marine Life Rescue, the BDMLR, who have been monitoring the marine mammal wherever he goes. Wildlife experts suggested that the walrus, nicknamed Thor, I think Tiny is a better nickname, but hey, whatever, was taking a break before heading north, but the residents of Scarborough didn't seem to mind. They were just stoked to see Thor.
2: Thor left his Arctic homeland and
0: was first spotted in Zeeland in the Netherlands before swimming past Belgium and into France. He stopped over in Dieppe and was then seen in Pugier before nipping across the channel to Kalshot in Hampshire. Nineteen days later he popped up in Scarborough.
2: Now he's off again, presumably and hopefully heading north so he's here for about 18 hours or so yeah he came in we think about half past 10 on friday night and then was here till about half past four yesterday afternoon so about 18 hours thankfully there were no welfare concerns for thor he might be far from home but otherwise he seems to be perfectly healthy He's off course, yeah. For some reason, he decided to leave the Arctic, go for a wander, you know, wandering Walrus for a better word, and uh, now he's heading back north in the right direction. So, probably the mistake he made was leaving the Arctic in the first place, wherever he actually was, going south and up, and now reorientating back north up to where he, he, he belongs. His visit certainly caused a splash for those lucky enough to see him. What was he like?
1: Did he look happy?
5: He looked very happy, he was very relaxed and enjoying the, uh, the stardom, I believe.
0: So for the New Year dippers, no need to share the water.
1: That only
6: thing that made me swim faster, I think, if that were chasing me. What, what a size that was. Did you see the walrus? Yeah. What was he doing? Snoring. The, other, the first for Scarborough, and I believe a first for Yorkshire as well. So we're very proud that he chose Scarborough to have a nap.
0: I, I, he lost me at the end, got to tell you. Um,
4: well, just the accent? Or... Yeah, the accent lost yeah, me. Uh, it didn't <laughs> the no i can't i can't do it but it's just so i love it it's a, a weird accent and i love hearing it even though i can't understand i can understand scottish better than i can that yeah right there there's
0: uh yeah there are no t's in that alphabet that's for sure no. uh, that report by the way was from sky news <laughs> according to the bbc <laughs> the surrounding coastline was <laughs> being monitored in case he reappeared, adding he was probably looking for a feeding ground. Officials, are, maybe he was looking for fireworks, folks. Maybe he just wanted to see some fireworks, and then he showed up, and you turned him off. You don't know. You didn't ask Wally, Walter, the uh, Thor guy. Okay. Um, officials are urging people not to go and see Thor, but said anyone coming across a walrus should allow plenty of space and keep dogs on leads and well away. Here we go. Um, I was I was trying to, as we were doing that, um, in Hawaii, I think it's the elephant seal. If I remember correctly, um, when that shows up, they shut down everything. I think that's what it is. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Oh, the monk seal. Is it the, monk, the seal? monk seal? I don't know. There's this big bugger and he shows up. And when they do that, there's volunteers all over the island. And he goes, and they they rope it off like he he kind of saunters. I don't know what is it. Well, they saunter. They saunter the way up the beach, flops, and uh, and then lies down. And has a little nappy poo in the morning, in the morning sun right on the beach. And so the volunteers come around with cones and it looks like police tape, and they rope the whole thing off. And you're not allowed to go anywhere near um, the beast um, while he's sleeping. And so. Um, yeah, it's 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 kind of cool to protect them. Like I get that part, but I don't know. Maybe he was there to see fireworks. I'm just saying. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. What is the best pub you've ever been to? We want to call it out. We want to support them. We want to talk about the pubs. Now, before we get to that, we'll do one more. Are you okay with moving? We talked about um, we talked about renting. What about moving we want to know are okay with moving
4: (laughs) are okay we
0: got a typo at are you Um, okay it's four letters yeah hey
4: yeah that's a that's a minor inconvenience isn't it uh i I hate moving it sucks i the excitement though is is real i think it's you know that first night where everything's in you you haven't unpacked yet but you're in the new place that's kind of cool and uh, all that, but all in all, the whole process of moving is is gross and almost endless. There's a box I still haven't unpacked from when I moved into this place because I have no place to mm. put all the stuff in it. So a box. I'd like to avoid that. And box. You need to
0: come so. see my basement. My whole basement is filled with 10 years of marriage things that I have not unpacked. Yikes. Yeah. I would avoid that. Avoid that. At all costs, by the way. Okay, so it's never easy to move. We've complained about all the costs associated with all of it. Ryan is lost without shelving. I mean, just lost. A little help can go a long way. Now, some criminals, though, down in the States, asked the wrong people for help this week. Get ready, folks. This is our first official Florida story of 2023, and we're only four days in.
1: Two burglars in Central Florida were busted because they called 911. The Polk County Sheriff's Office says the duo called 911 to get help moving their belongings from a home they broke into. Deputies realized that no one lived at the house. The man and his girlfriend who called them had entered through an unlocked door. It turns out the man was already wanted for a Dollar General store burglary earlier that day, but the man and woman are facing charges.
0: All right, so there are some Floridians who needed some help moving stuff uh, this week. What could possibly go wrong? Well, I can tell you what can go wrong. This clip should have played first.
4: I don't know how things work in Florida, which from your description sounds like a colorful lawless
3: swamp.
0: (laughs) The previous report was from CBS Miami. Oh, I don't have the song i feel like i should have the song even though it's from, oh, from the, the wrong
4: show right yeah, yeah that one yeah miami where'd it Vines? go it was in yeah. the big book of uh
0: of sound CSI, effects csi miami i have it here somewhere look up by sunglasses this is terrible look up sunglasses <laughs> oh no i have <laughs> First long thing that comes to mind right? that's not right mm. well we're here we might as well try to figure this out i mean we've completely fallen off the rails anyway. So why wouldn't we? As um, is tradition. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of what this is all about anyway. We've totally lost the story at this point anyway. Oh, yeah, well. It would appear that uh, we've lost it now forever. Who knew?
4: We'll find it. That can't be good.
0: All right. Anyway, uh, apparently this couple that was moving also wanted a ride to New York. Deputies did help them with their belongings and did give them a ride, but it wasn't to the airport. It was to the, uh, the Poke Pokey. Poke Pokey, the sheriff's office said in a Facebook post. Hmm. The area of Florida is called Poke Pokey. Okay. The post continues to say, and they are welcome to stay there all weekend. Poke Pokey is much better than New York anyway. Don't steal stuff. There's been a lot of scams of people, you know, like you come and pick up my stuff and move it. Then it never arrives at the new place and they put it in storage and basically extort you until you give them more money to give you the stuff back that's not cool I feel like we got to do this to save it oh
4: hey
0: there it is that's the Florida. Nice. I called it the Miami. Horatio clip that's why oh okay yeah, I would have dumb. guessed
4: sunglasses yeah or Miami so okay Horatio it is makes sense All right.